Welcome to A Court of Swish and Flick, A Court of Thorns and Roses podcast. To the people who look at the stars and wish, we welcome you to the 18th episode of A Court of Swish and Flick. This episode is sponsored by Susie Wall. Thank you, Susie. I'm Tiffany. I'm Megan. I'm Katie. And I'm Sarah. And today we will be discussing chapter 17 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. Make sure to follow us on your preferred podcast listening platform and share this episode with your friends because if you like us, then they might too. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Court of Swish and Flick and Twitter at ACOSAF. If you would like to support us on Patreon, head on over to patreon.com forward slash a court of swish and flick. Supporting our podcast keeps us going and it gives you access to our exclusive Facebook group and Discord channel as well as live recordings once a month. We will also add our high fay patrons to be our close friends on Instagram and you really just never know what we're going to post on there and when we're going to post it. So if you want access to that. You can get it. In fact, they don't know what's going to be posted either. We have no idea. So Which is whatever so it is, blame you, Sarah. You're going to get all the nasty <laughs> content because they're number one. Because it's me. <laughs> Everything's going to be dirty. with Nesta love. <laughs> what did you say, Tiffany? I said it's all going to be dirty. Well, Probs. yeah. <laughs> Any hoozies? Uh, our left. episodes oh, are you're not also... Done. Nope, not yet. Oh. <laughs> Our episodes will also come out early for patrons posted to Patreon the weekend before. Thank you all so much for your support. If you would like to send any questions or concerns, you can do so to our email, which is a court of swish and flick at gmail.com. Now it's my turn. Very good. So we last yeah, left off can. with um, Favor saying the th- feeling was starting. Wow, I cannot read. The feeling was startling enough that I walked out grasping the crumpled yep, paper in my pocket as if doing so could somehow keep the answering smile from tugging on my lips. Flirt. There's something there that wasn't there before. <laughs> That's another good song. Oh, Mrs. Potts. That's Mrs. Potts saying that, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, do they all say that? I think they all say that, but Eventually, yeah. she's kind of the most sh- memorable to say it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) I'm a child with humor. So Farah is jerked awake (laughs) 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 in the middle of the night. (laughs) Sorry, just me. I don't know. Anyways, from her dreams. And I'm not surprised because she had a crazy ordeal. So obviously that's going to still be with her. So her dreams are filled with the cereals, clicking fingers and the naga and the pale, faceless woman dragging her nails across her throat, splitting her open, asking her for her name. But every time Feyre tries to speak, it just bubbles up with blood, and it leaks out, and she can't talk. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, truly. So I love this, though, because... (laughs) Tiffany, I I love this. I love this disgusting imagery because it feels like it's supposed to be Amarantha. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought. I mean, you know what I mean? So like asking her name and she get they give like that fake name, right? What's that Claire chick's name Fedor. from the village? Claire. Yeah. The fake, not so fake name. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. But fortunately. Um, it's just, it's, it's terrifying. And every time <laughs> the surreal's clicking fingers, I just think of Peachy Queen cosplay and her surreal. Her surreal cosplay her. is so funny. <laughs> With the T and the yes. little hannies. I love it. I love it so much. So as she's recovering from her nightmare, she does hear some other sounds that are going on. And these are not in the dream world. She hears shouts and someone's screams coming from the hall. And all the shouts are not an aggressive, like, in nature sounding. They're commanding. They're organizing. But the screaming is something that's, like, all together. Something different. And it's something that she recognizes from her days hunting. So she bolts out the door. She's thinking about how she's heard screams like this in the forest when her kills had not been clean and the animal was suffering. So basically a clean kill is you shoot an animal with whatever means you have, whether it be bow or otherwise, and the animal drops. So like a clean kill on a deer would go through its heart and it would drop. It wouldn't run or whatever. Um, but if you're off, the animal obviously is going to suffer a lot. And I I have never killed an animal before, I will say, hunting. But I've been hunting before. <laughs> I like that you clarify with, with hunting. With what? Well, I've never killed an animal, period. There you go. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> but I have, growing up in the country, like, you know, you let your dog out at night and you hear whatever sounds that nocturnal animals are making. I have heard an animal dying and it is terrible. Oof. I don't know what kind of animal it was. It was in the woods, but it was clearly not okay. Not okay and it is horrifying and it's a core memory of mine so that lets you know like it sticks with you it's terrible it's absolutely terrible mm -hmm. so like when i was reading this i was like "Ooh, that hits like really like close to home for me and she can't stand not knowing what's going on so tamlin came rushing in with a screaming fairy over his shoulder it's almost the same size as he was but it's nothing for Tammy to carry because he's so big and strong and, you know, sexy and whatever. <laughs> Quote, another species of le the lesser fairies with his blue skin, gangly limbs, pointed ears and long onyx hair. But even at from atop the stairs, I could see the blood gushing down the fairy's back. Blood from the black stumps protruding from its shoulder blades. Blood that now soaked into Tamlin's green tunic in deep shining splotches. One of the knives from his baldric was missing. And I was like, what's a baldric? I kind of thought it was a belt, but it's like one of those belts that goes over your shoulder and down to the opposite hip. I've provided our ladies with a picture of it in our dock. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. That, is a, that is a baldric, just so you know. 
Reminds me of Link. He's wearing green. <laughs> He's got a, a baldric. Are we playing Ocarina of Time? I'm not sure. Not Zelda. So, Link. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Aw, Sasa. Love it. We're so proud so of you. Lucian, <laughs> Lucian then rushes in. And Tamlin tells him he's like, clear the table off, maybe not thinking that the fairy is going to make it all the way down to the infirmary. No, so like, he's let's not going to make it. This. That was really insensitive, <laughs> and I apologize. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so the fairy wasn't wearing a mask, and there's nothing there to hide the agony contorting its face. Quote, Scouts found him dumped just over the borderline, Tamlin explained to Lucian, but his eyes darted to me. They flashed with warning, but I took another step down. He said to Lucian, he's summer court. By the cauldron, Lucian said, <laughs> surveying the damage. By the cauldron. Um, I just put a link for summer court here because I wanted to um, talk about daddy. remind myself. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> summer court is one of the seven courts of prithian and one of the four seasonal courts tarquin is the high lord but tarquin is uh the youngest of all the high lords and the summer court is bordered to the south by the spring court and its eastern border is the autumn court and the northern border is the winter court so there you go summer court it's summer hot court Makes, makes me, me feel, feel fine. Short. <laughs> it sounded like I just said short. <laughs> Summer shorts <laughs> make me feel fine. <laughs> oh, I like man. him. Okay. This part is not great. So, the fairy chokes out my wings. Um, and then he explains that the nameless she took his wings. Farah wonders if she rules another court since she wasn't ruling this one. And Tamlin flicked a hand and steaming water and bandages just appeared on the table. Um, I put a link in for the summer court fairy. I was just like curious if we knew anything about this fairy, if there were any connections and there are not, but I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> um, Bless you. But the, uh, bless, bless you. you. <laughs> bless you. By I'm the cauldron. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but the unnamed fairy is a lesser fairy from the summer court who... Um, yes, Amarantha rips his wings off, leaving only stumps in place. Um, and there's literally there's just no information like there's no relations that we know of or anything. Unfortunately, it's literally just an, un, an unnamed fairy, but they do. Um, they have like an interesting description, which I know Tiffany touched on a little bit, but they have blue skin, gangly limbs, pointed ears, long black hair. Later on in my section, Feyre talks about like the texture of his skin is like velvety, smooth, slippery. Um, sh he, his skin shimmers with veins of pure gold, making him look iridescent somewhat like a blue butterfly. 
Fancy. And his wings would have been black and velvety. And mm-hmm. he has sharp teeth and a pointed nose. He has unearthly features. Alienish? Kind of. Is that what that's supposed to mean? I kind of think of it an avatar. It sounds like the blue alien book. I was just I, thinking that. Yeah. 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 Or what are, what are they actually called? Navi. Oh, gosh. Navi, yes. Navi. Give Navi. Um, so he just kept saying over and over, she took my wings, she took my wings. And Tamlin murmurs a soft, wordless sound. And Feyre just describes it as like a gentle, like he's just comforting this fairy because he has nothing else to say to him. Make the sound. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> That's his comforting sound. Yeah. Next time you're having a bad day, I'd be like, Meg. Um, and Feyre notices whoever she was hadn't just taken his wings. She had ripped them off. And this is... She's a mess. This is a pretty graphic description. So just so everybody's aware before I say it. Uh, blood was oozing from the black velvety stumps on the fairy's back. The wounds were jagged, cartilage and tissue severed in what looked like uneven cuts as if she'd sawed off his wings bit by bit. I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, So Tamlin, I I don't know if I like the word ordered, but he's just being very firm because he's trying to help this fairy. As much as he can, even though I think at this point he probably already knows or realizes that this is unfortunately a lost cause. So he orders the fairy to keep still. He tells him that he'll bleed out faster. And he just begins to twist onto his back away from Tamlin from the pain as Tamlin tried to clean the wounds. Kill us faster. Now I can relax. That's all I can think of. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, it was instinct or mercy or depress- desperation, perhaps, to grab the fairy's upper arms and shove him down again. This is Feyre, pinning him to the table as gently as she could. He thrashed strong enough that she had to concentrate solely on holding him. And she, again, at this moment in time, uh, thinks about painting. Even, like, in this traumatic moment, she thinks that she could never recreate his velvety, smooth, and slippery skin. She also later on calls it leathery, which I am guessing is because he's not doing well. That's mm. just kind of like my because it like it changes from velvety smooth to leathery. So it's almost like his life is like leaving him. I don't know. That's how I took it. Mm. Uh, so Tamlin tried to get Lucian's attention, but he was just a mess. He's just gaping at the fairies ruined back at the stumps and his metal eye keeps narrowing and widening, narrowing and widening. So, and we know that Amarantha did that to his eye. So I think that he's just having a little, uh, probably probably flashbacks, probably Mm -hmm. just like sadness over like seeing somebody else getting literally mauled by Amarantha. Um, and he just backs up and vomits. And Feyre says, please, I breathed, please hold still. And the fairy just keeps sobbing. She took my wings. She took them. And her fingers are aching at this point, trying to keep him down. And she just murmurs, I know, I know. 
Uh, so Tamlin touched the rag to one of the stumps, and the fairy screamed so loudly that Feyre's senses guttered, sending her staggering back. The fairy tried to ri- rise, but his arms buckled, and he collapsed face first onto the table again. Blood gushed so fast and bright that it took Feyre a heartbeat to realize that a wound like this required a tourniquet and that the fairy had lost far too much blood for it to even make a difference. Like, where would you even put a tourniquet in that spot is the thing. You know what I mean? I think that's what she's saying. Like, there's the only way to stop the flow would be to put a tourniquet, but that you you can't. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so unfortunately, he like never stood a chance. Sad. Uh, so the fairy had lost far too much blood for it to even make a difference. And it poured down his back and onto the table where it ran to the edge and drip, drip, dripped to the floor near her feet. The visuals of this scene are written so well. They just like make me really sad, but they're written very well. Like it's very visual and you can see what's happening for sure. Yeah. Uh, so Tamlin looks at her and says his wounds aren't clotting. And Farah asks if he could use magic. And this is some bullshit because Tamla explains that at one time he could have, but not any longer. Fucking Amarantha. So like. So she like knows that. For sure. She knows because like that almost makes it even more painful to like watch this happen and be like, I could have done something about this, but now I can't. Like I, there's nothing I can do and I could have. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. So it's in that moment that Feyre realizes that this fairy is going to die. And she took hold of one of his hands. Uh, This is, I think, when she describes his hand feels leathery, which is why I think it's because, like, all of that blood gushing out. Like, he's lost so much blood that he's just going quickly. So she brushed the long, damp hair from the fairy's half-turned face in notices that he has a pointed nose and a mouth full of sharp teeth. But he looks, like, desperate for, I guess, just, like, reassurance that he's going to be okay or something. It's just really sad. Some kind of comfort. Yeah. Yeah. It is really sad. Um, But Feyre picks up on that, and she says, she just says, it will be all right. And she's hoping, like, this fairy can't smell lies like the cereal could um, because she just wants to comfort him in some way. Um, so she's like stroking his hair and she describes it like the texture as liquid night. And again, she thinks about painting and she thinks like, I'll never be able to paint that, but maybe I would try forever. Um, and she says it'll be all right again. And she tightens her grip on his hand. This is also graphic. This whole chapter is graphic, but she feels something wet at her feet and she knows without looking that the blood has now pooled onto the ground enough around her that is touching her. Um, mm. So the fairy is whispering more about his wings. And Feyre just says, you're going to get them back. And he says, you swear. And she just says, yes. And it does make this fairy who's like fading really fast. It makes him smile and he closes his eyes. And, like, it's a small comfort, whether she knows it's true or not, which she has no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, She does still feel guilty, though, because she's like, I wish to herself, she thinks, I wish I had more to tell him than, like, empty promises. Um, And she, like, considers this, like, the first false vow that she had ever sworn. 
Maybe it's not false, though. Right. Maybe, maybe within their world, there's an afterlife where they will get their wings back. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You never know. You know? Um, so Tamlin starts to speak a prayer over the fairy. And Pharaoh thinks, like, this has to be older than the mortal realm itself. And he says, cauldron save you, mother hold you. Pass through the gates and smell that immortal land of milk and honey. Fear no evil, feel no pain. Uh, go and enter eternity. And his voice does waver, but he does finish the prayer. Yes. It reminds me of um, getting last rites. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how that kind of read to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wonder what the significance is of like milk and honey. I, sh- I didn't think about that till right now. I think that's just like the land of milk and honey would be like the land of like abundance and mm. that like you have everything that you need. Yeah. Uh, the dictionary like, says like milk and honey is prosperity and abundance. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. See, I'm basically a dictionary. I <laughs> <laughs> should call you Webster. <laughs> Um, so after that prayer, the fairy gives one more sigh and then is gone. Uh, Feyre doesn't leave. She keeps stroking his hair and holding his hand and she can feel like Tamlin staring at her, but she just, she doesn't let go. Um, and she says that she stands there in that puddle of blood until she can feel it cool and go cold. Mm, That's a long time. I think. Yeah, that's a while. And She's just thinking, like, I wonder if that fairy knew that I lied. Um, but then she wonders, like, if wherever he had gone, did he get his wings back? Um, so then a clock chimes somewhere just, like, to mark that she's been there for a while. And she feels Tamlin's hand on her shoulder. She didn't realize how cold she actually was until she feels his hand on her. And he's like, he's gone. Let him go. And like Mike said, like this fairy's face is un- she describes it as unearthly and so inhuman. And she's just thinking like who could be so cruel to hurt him like that? Which is interesting because she's come like 180 on her feelings on fairies already because True. in the first chapter yeah. she's totally hateful of them and kills but one. But like <clears throat> I agree. Like she has said that she like hated fairies and all of these things, but like I always get the like the thought of like she killed him one not fully knowing that he was a fairy, but like because she had to. You know what I mean? So like yeah. And I know that like it's totally written in there, and like Sarah J. Mass would be like, oh no no, she totally hated fairies, but like that's just not like it just doesn't seem in her to hate someone just for being a fairy, even in the beginning of this. Where I I think that she was acting hateful towards like Tamlin and Lucian because like y'all straight up kidnapped her and Lucian was a straight up asshole to her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think she liked them at all. But like I don't know if she even truly hated them because like she never acts like that with any of them. Like we see her acting like how she treats the cereal. Like she saved the cereal before anything. Like before she could have just ran away and left it there. Um, and how she treats him like this and and I think she doesn't even realize that she like doesn't hate fairies. It's not like Elaine. Like I feel like Elaine takes a longer time to come around and we don't even really get to see her like come Mm -hmm. come around. So to say, um, 
but like it's different. So they're really different. And like Nesta's feelings are even stronger than like Feyre's are with like not liking them, you know, when they go to the house later on and meet up. So it's mm-hmm. like, I agree with you. Like she says she hates them, but she doesn't treat the ones that she meets with hate. She's, mm-hmm. I feel like she's fearful. Um, based on how she was raised, what she's heard, X, Y, Z. Yeah, I think, um, I like that point. I think it's like kind of like when someone's raised and taught things, but they, I mean, as Sarah said, I think maybe she didn't even realize that she doesn't actually hate them. Like she's able to form her own opinions. Like she's coming into herself and realizing, oh, maybe I don't think that. Like I was raised to probably just ignore something like this happening to someone and thinking he deserves it. And yet here I am like holding his hand instead because that's the right thing to do. Cause yeah. that's who she is. Yeah. She's not the type of person to just let somebody die. Um, and I mean, she sues this fairy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they came in screaming and they were calm and peaceful when they passed. And that I like, that's one of like my I, favorite things. I like that. Um, in shows, or movies or whatever, I guess media in general, where, like, <clears throat> someone... And I, it's, I feel like it's usually a female. Um, but it's not always. The only two instances I'm thinking about is this book and then Outlander, I think. Where, like, someone is, like, dying and they're, like... They don't kind of want them to know that they're dying just because they want them to go peacefully. And they're, like... The, I think in, like, Outlander, she was, like, well, tell me about your home and whatever else it was, like, because they were, like, freaking out. And she, like, knew, like, he wasn't going to make it. Um, and so she was, like, tell me, like, about your house. Like, you're going to be back there. One of those things. I like that where they're very comforting in their last moments of death. Because, like, it, it is it scary? Absolutely. But just thinking about something that you love. And obviously the, the creature loved their wings. And, like, yeah, you're going to get them back. Like, don't worry. We're here. I'm holding your hand. You're not alone kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, last thing is Feyre just wishes she knew that fairy's name um, as she finally lets him go and Tamlin leads her to the stairs. I think that's really significant too, like caring enough to wish you knew this person you didn't know his name. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a kindness that runs pretty deep. I agree. Um, so Tamlin has him walking to the stairs where Feyre... Um, or she's walking up the stairs and Farrah stops at the top and saying that, um, you know, they, they can't just leave him there. She's thinking like they're both walking upstairs and Tamlin tells her like he was going to walk her upstairs first and then he was going to move him and she wants to go with him, but he's kind of adamant that it's too deadly at night for her to go. Um, and he says no. And she tries to like tell him, but like that she can like handle herself. Um, and, that she can hold her own. It's like, I'm guessing that's what she was going to say. She doesn't get the full sentence out, but he just says no. And he goes, no, he said his green eyes flashing. I straightened, but he sighed his shoulders curving inward. I must do this alone. And while I think that there's like a couple of things you can like get from this little section where I think this might be a little bit of foreshadowing to like in the next book, like he's so fearful of something happening to her or someone doing something or whatever that again, with the whole control thing that he's trying to narrow it down and like, no, you can't, it's too deadly out there for you. 
Where like the difference between this book and the next one is she literally is now like a whole new person and can literally defend herself. But like whatever, she could defend herself now. She's not useless. Um, mm-hmm. But this part of like how he's saying he must do it alone and how his shoulders are curving and um, how Favor's about to see him and he just looks so defeated is that he is blaming himself for this entire situation, for everything happening, and that he's probably compounding the fact that, like, this fairy has died and how many others have died because of him and what he is doing and not being strong enough to, like, defeat Amarantha and, like, not be all a part of this. And um, so he's really blaming himself for, like, being in this this happening and being in this, like, really helpless situation. Uh, yes, Tiffany? So what I, I agree with you and what I gather from this, um, it's like, this is his last thing that he can do for this fairy, mm-hmm. um, by going and doing this alone, mm-hmm. not as a punishment for himself, but as like a respect thing yes. for It's like the fairy. least he could do kind of a thing. Yeah. So like to go out and like do this. Um, on his own and maybe say another prayer and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. It's kind of like with Harry Potter, right? When he totally, like, I was thinking totally Dobby. could use magic to dig Dobby's grave. Right. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that he does it for Dobby cause he deserved the effort to put into it. You know what I mean? Um, yes. So Feyre looking at him and she kind of sees that he's almost defeated and he understands or she understands because she would have also wanted to do this alone. So she turns around and sh- to go to her room and then Tamlin stops her by asking why you dislike our kind on a good day. And after Andrus, so why? And like, yes, I get it. But I also don't because like she's one, she's told you that she doesn't like to hunt and she didn't really officially know that it was a fairy when it happened. I, her intuition was kind of telling her, that wolf's a little big. It's not your typical yeah. wolf kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and so she turns back to him and says, because I wouldn't want to die alone because I'd want someone to hold my hand until the end. And after that, there's something that's something everyone deserves, human or fairy. I regret what I did to Andrus. I regret that there was so, there was such hate in my heart. I wish I could undo it. And I'm sorry. So very sorry. And so for me, for me, <laughs> the hate is not her killing. Like I, she did not, in my opinion, and this is just me. She didn't hate or she didn't kill Andrews because she hated him. She didn't know it was a fairy. Did she hate fairies? I, because she was taught to absolutely. But like she never even let that hate. Like did she act shitty towards Tamlin and and Lucian? Absolutely. But also Tamlin kidnapped her and Lucian was acting like an ass to her. So like. Yeah. When you see her really, truly interacting with fairies, she treats them with kindness and respect. That's how she treats the cereal. We see her that she's one of the only people like when other people talk about them, they're saying all of these negative, nasty things about the cereal. And she's almost like, Oh, the cereal, like they're my bestie. Like to his dying breath, she is there with him. Like she's saying, I want to be, I would want someone to be there with me holding my hand. She literally does that to the cereal. Then with the water rates, here's my jewelry. You can't even feed your own family. Like I'm not going to make you like pay money you don't have. Um, And even later on, like that's a huge part of her depression and all of those things coming in with book two is that after she, she can't get out of her head that she had killed those fairies 
in her mind for nothing and nothing, not like not saying that Tamla is nothing, but she herself feels like she's nothing. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> I totally went off my script because I said, I personally don't think she <laughs> hated face. She killed Anders, not because she hated him because she did. She literally did it to survive. Um, and I just think that this is just like a mark in her corner to show us that she really is a very caring person and she treats everyone as equals. And really, it pays off for her in the end. She doesn't do it. So she gets like accolades and things that happen. It just works out that way because she was nice and kind and treated the, the water wraiths with respect when others literally like look down their nose upon them. They literally save her and Amran's life later on. You know what I mean? Um, and then with the cereal, mm-hmm. she's like, Bessie, you and I are going to fight together. And like, fuck, Ianthe. She's like, See you next Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you meant actually fuck I <laughs> <laughs> No. Um, and that's like, one of the things on. I really, really like about Feyre is that like she literally, and I think that's part of, uh, part of it is because she came from, um, you know, the, the mortal lands and she was a human and now she's high fey and she, but she knows what it's, what it's like to be less than, in other people's eyes, because one, in the fairy's eyes, she was a human and they all hate them anyways, or most of them, not all of them. But also she's, she's seen it where you've gone from having all of this money and all of this power and all of these things because her dad was wealthy and her family was wealthy to absolutely having nothing. And then all of those people looking down their nose at them and seeing them as lesser. Um, And she knows how that feels and she would never want someone else to feel that way. And really the only time we ever see her being, uh, I wouldn't even say hateful, but like, I'm going to kill you and I don't give a fuck is to like the literal assholes, AKA Highburn and Amarantha and those cunts, you know, like the people that like, we hate everybody and everyone needs to die except for like the cool people we think are cool. And she's like, y'all suck. Um, don't kill innocent people, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 Anywho, <laughs> So it kind of seemed a little bit freeing for Feyre to um, say all of this out loud. And she can't really remember the last time that she had talked to anyone like that. And she almost wanted to get go to her knees to ask Tamlin for forgiveness. Um, and, and she's kind of like looking at him and she's thinking about how he must feel about Andrus after seeing all of the guilt. I mean, how, how long has this happened? Like in this span, how... How long did it take for her to like wake up, hear the screaming, and now um, the the fae is dead, right? This male fae. And to see all of the guilt that's on his face and the grief over a complete stranger to him. Um, and she's thinking about like all of the grief and the guilt and all of those things that Talon must be carrying because of Andrus. And really, like Andrus wasn't even the first one. So like how many, unfortunately, went over the wall and didn't come back? Um, mm-hmm. and so Farrah watched him go back downstairs and she like watches the whole ordeal of him picking up, um, the body and then leaving the manor. And she continues to watch him out the window, um, as he walks through the garden and into the fields where he's going to bury them. And that's the end of the chapter. I really like what Britta said in the chat, um, about like Farrah not wanting to die alone. She said, it's interesting that she says she would want someone to hold her hand even after she dies because Tamlin does physically hold her hand, but Reese holds her soul's hand after she dies with that, like, tether. Mm. Mm -hmm. Very neat. And then 
Katie T said, and she and Reese made their pacts to die together so she won't leave the world alone if mm-hmm. and when she does die. Oh, I hate wow, that yeah. pact, but That's also, right. yes. I hate that as well. <laughs> and I mostly hate it for like the, the other people in their lives. Correct. You know what I mean? You know what like was if you pointed lose out one, to you me? Lose the other, like yeah, ugh. that's that's poor Nick's, poor Cassie. Yes, yes. Um, Cassie, there's a baby too. Oh, truly. <laughs> and like, let's talk about the fact that that man's guts were ripped open on a battlefield and he survived. Yet, favorite can't survive a C-section. What the literal fuck is that? Yep. Question, that's basically man. your guts. I- that's questions that I have. I like, I didn't even think it. about that. And then someone pointed it out and I was like, you're fucking right. You're fucking right. Um, and actually, Baby I meant names. to say this. I was trying to look up um, Glamours for like the other episode. And I forgot to put this because like this person was was talking about theories and then it turned out it was from before like the second book even came out. So they were like, what if Feyre and Reese are like secretly brother and sister? And I was like, what is this? And then I looked, I was like, Oh, this is from 2006. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) what they were saying, like, what if, um, Tamlin glamored? Cause they were talking about at the very end of, and obviously they didn't know they were mates in this post because the second Macomath hadn't come out. But, um, when he stumbles back, like, what does that mean? And someone was like, what if Tamlin put a glamour on Feyre? And then in my head, is like, what if he did? Like, what if he glamoured her to, like, ooh, love me a little bit? But, like, does that, would that have broken the curse? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Thoughts to think, man. Thoughts to think. This was a sad chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. I had to look away, so I didn't cry. But I also think that this um, trope-y kind of a thing where two people might not care for each other and they might not like like each other's intentions or something like that. Because like in Outlander, right? I for- They're doing Outlander, like some hunt or something. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Outlander. And she's a nurse, goes back in time, whatever. And the guy that's helping her doesn't really like her. And he sees the way that she treats the guy that is dying and it changes his mind about her because she's so caring and she does exactly like what Pharaoh was doing where she was like, tell me about like your house, like your family and your house and where you grew up and like whatever. And she's like, you're going to get back there. Just like close your eyes kind of a thing and like helps them peacefully transition, um, which is exactly like what Pharaoh did and, and holding his hand and all of those things. Um, and I, that's what this makes me think of where, it's a little bit of a turning point where they both kind of go through this experience and make it, yeah, make it uh, to the other end. Yeah, there's little glimpses of like what's to come. Mm-hmm. Sewn in. <sighs> yep. Well, sorry about all that sadness, but uh, you Three can find. Should we? Time. Should we have <laughs> sips? Of sadness for the unnamed male. Should we name him? Um, Velvety Vincent. Dabba dee dabba die. Velvety Vincent. <laughs> Let's what? just call him Vincent. He seems like a Vinny. Vinny. <laughs> Vinny. Sips for sadness for Vinny. 
I liked Tiff too. Dabba dee dabba da. <laughs> oh my. But it, he'd still be alive because he's still blue. But he's We died. call him Kermit. <laughs> oh my God. He's green. What? Kermit? Because he's green. What did you say? Kermit? Kermit. Uh, Kermit? If I was green, I would die. Kermit's green. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or Oscar. Anyway, okay. Did you know he used to be orange? Who? Oscar? Oscar the Grouch. He's green what? because he's moldy. <gasps> Did I you need not to text Chrissy it? immediately? Is, Wait really? a minute. And like, do you ever see him as green? I mean, orange. Hold on. I think so. I've seen him orange. Yeah. <gasps> Wait. Oscar, in the original concept drawings for Oscar the Grouch, <gasps> he was magenta. He's orange. Due to the limitations of early color television, however, Oscar was redesigned with orange fur for his premiere on the first season of Sesame Street in 1969 and only changed to green for the second season. My God, Sesame oh, Street's been around that long. My whole... Yes. Wow. Oh. And it's life-changing for kids back then. Uh, Sesame Street rules. Oh my gosh, wow. look at his orange little Alana used to watch self. it all the time. Wow. Yeah, she learns something new every day, man. Look at his grouchy face! <laughs> <laughs> I love him. Oh, well, if you want to learn more Anyways, fun facts Anyways, you learn a like new that, something every day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, follow all of our personal life adventures. Uh, Meg and myself are on Instagram at the Petrus Family. Tiffany's on Instagram at <laughs> Tiff Swish underscore flick. And Sarah's on Instagram at O'Malley. And that's with three H's. Everybody, I just want to say this before we go. That by the time this episode comes out, there might be a new baby. <gasps> it's crazy. I could cry. Don't. I think it might. <laughs> I think it might happen before the one before this. So, like, it might be like an old new baby. You know? We don't know. <laughs> could be. That sounds could like be. Benjamin uh, Yes. Oh new baby. I guess we should say that this is my last court recording for a couple of months because I'm going to go on break to focus on having and getting life situated with this child. So slacker we'll back. <laughs> yeah. The literal worst. But um, you will hear me again. In a couple of months. Yeah, y'all, we're going to meet Reese without her. So she clearly well, loves that baby more than she loves Reese, which is saying something. <laughs> a fictional character <laughs> versus an actual human child. Are yeah, you telling like. me that I need to pick a literal human being to like end up with and not Cassian? Is that what you're saying, Tiffany? I hate to break it to you. <laughs> I mean, I don't have to do anything. So it's true. That's true. We'll like get you a Cassian pay my taxes doll. <laughs> what? I said we'll get you a Cassian doll. Oh my god. <laughs> Anywho, it's Megan. You could read what you need to read. Thank you all so much for listening and for your support. We appreciate you so much. Take care and remember, only you can decide what breaks you.